Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today our study is in the book of Acts, chapter 21. Here's Pastor Ryan. Father, we thank you for your goodness in our life. Oh, Lord, that you would love us so much to reveal your good will towards us, that your mercy is there for the world to receive it, only if the world would turn. And we are grateful, Lord, that you have opened up our eyes to recognize and to see and behold the Lamb of God, your Son, Jesus, who loved us enough to die for us, and that we would respond and give up our old life, give up our sin, and walk with you. We're grateful for that. We pray for our church service to be all about you. Holy Spirit, move in our hearts. I can do nothing without you. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in Acts 21, Paul the Apostle, as you know, is traveling to Jerusalem, home to the place where he studied and was brought up in a very strict and religious upbringing as as a religious Jew he was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel and he just has this heritage there in Jerusalem and it's the end of his third missionary journey God sent him all over the world as you know we've been studying that's what the book of Acts is it's the actions of the apostles it's what happened after Jesus went to be with the father and so the church is moving and Paul went all over Greece and Macedonia and Ephesus Asia and he's making his way back to Jerusalem he's trying to make it to Jerusalem for the feast of Pentecost which takes place 50 days after the Passover so he's trying to make it back there and we know that Paul as a Jew various times wrote how big of a heart he had for his own people he wanted to see them come to Christ he even said you know I'd rather be accursed for my own brethren to come to know Christ and so he wants to get back to Jerusalem and he wants to preach right there at the headquarters of Judaism and so that's his heart it's a it's a really good and beautiful thing God has touched his heart and he wants to touch the hearts of others but he wants to share about the Jewish Messiah Jesus Christ to them to hopefully open their eyes to the truth that Jesus of Nazareth was indeed the Messiah the one that died on the cross was indeed the Messiah rose from the dead on the third day he's traveling with his companions including Luke the writer of this book and also the writer of the gospel that bears his name and they made their way down the Mediterranean by ship going going down the coast of Syria all the way down to Tyre of Phoenicia or the of the Phoenicians in modern day uh, southern Lebanon there on the coast Tyre is where they're at in our story but again they're heading down to Jerusalem and he has been warned along the way by the Lord by the Spirit that tribulations face him in Jerusalem but he doesn't care because he loves his people he wants them to come to know Jesus Christ and he loves the Lord amen all right it says here in verse uh, the end uh, the second part of verse 3 that they they landed in Tyre and for there the ship was to unload her cargo and finding disciples we stayed there seven days and they told Paul through the spirit not to go up to Jerusalem and so there they are in Tyre telling them not to go as well to Jerusalem 
And when we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way, and they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city, and we knelt down on the shore and prayed. And so that's a very beautiful scene, in my opinion, that we read. That as Paul was going to Jerusalem, the disciples, wherever they were landing, were really giving Paul honor, really giving him respect. It wasn't like just anybody was among them, and it wasn't just like anybody was leaving them. This is the Apostle Paul. This is, you know, the man who at this point had written Galatians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Corinthians, Romans. He has seen the risen Lord. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to see the, the church entire give him the honor that is due to him. And the Bible, and, and it's cool because it, it points out that it's wives and children. It wasn't just the disciples, but the disciples made sure, let's bring the kids, let's bring the wives. This is a very important goodbye. And Paul deserved that kind of farewell from the disciples entire. He really did. Because we're told in scripture to give honor to whom honor is due. Amen? Amen? The Bible teaches us to give honor to whom honor is due. They're giving Paul love and respect. I mean, can you imagine that? The scene on the shore there as they're departing with the children and the wives. All kneeling down to pray. They're teaching their children to, to give respect to God's anointed. And I think in, in today's time... There's such a lack of respect for authority in the home, with grandparents, with teachers, with police, with law. We live at a time where there's, there's very little respect for authority. So it's a good thing for us as believers to really teach the young of our church to respect authority, to give honor to whom honor is due, and also to honor their spiritual leaders. It, it really begins from the adults in the church teaching the kids to do so. Because it's special. I think that pastors and spiritual leaders of churches should be given double honor, the Bible says. that They should be given special honor. Not that God thinks they're more special than any other of us, but because of the difficult calling upon Paul's life. Think about the hardships that Paul suffered as an apostle of Christ. He risked his neck to get the gospel to you and I even today, thousands of years later, we're reading it. And so the Bible is clear to give that honor to spiritual leaders and to pastors. Very clear. Because the calling is a difficult one. It really is. I have learned really through experience. I mean, they can only tell a young pastor so much about the hardships they're going to face. But as I went through it, as I've gone through it, my goodness, it's, it's, it's more difficult than I could have ever imagined. And I, and I thank God for getting me this far, thus far, because he does. But there's that verse that says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Our lives fluctuate, our lives change. As we're faithful in the little things, God gives us more. And with more is more responsibility. And we have to adapt to those responsibilities. So in the 12 years of doing senior pastoring, my goodness, I've had to grow and to adapt. I was told long ago, Mike McIntosh had a retreat, looked at all those pastors and he said, lose weight, run some miles, 
Because what you're going to be dealing with spiritually requires for you to be physically healthy. Because they, they interchange, they, they affect each other. It's a difficult job. I was talking to my pastor about what was going on with my health. And he said, Rai, he says, we have one of the most stressful jobs around. Because we deal with death and life situations. We are fighting for the souls of men. We really are. There's no other job that is fighting for the souls of men. And there is no other job that probably saying hates more than the pastoral or spiritual leadership of a church jobs, callings. Because we're the ones affecting the kingdom of righteousness and we're, we're taking ground from the enemy. So pastors are high-value targets. Spiritual leaders are high-value targets. Not everybody sees that. People like to be critical, and I get it. You know, I was punk rock, and I was against authority. So, you know, you become a Christian, it's hard to lay that down. So I get it. But you know what? A lot of people, while they're living their lives, taking care of their own households, praying for their own home, pastors are praying for a whole church and a whole range of problems so you know james 3 1 he says my brethren let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment there's a stricter judgment for those who teach the bible i don't know what that's going to look like but i have an appointment with the lord one day and he's going to say how did you how did you take care of my flock Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, please. As you picture a beach this 4th of July Sunday. Hebrews chapter 13. And give me an amen once you're there. All right, so in uh, Hebrews 13, verse 7, it says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct and if you go down a little further to verse 17 it says obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you right so it's there I'm not just saying this stuff because I'm the pastor and it benefits me yeah <laughs> pray for me be nice to me. But they were sweet to Paul. They were sweet to him. I have, in my 12 years, people have been mostly tender and sweet and kind. I mean, I remember one man distinctively at a baptism we did at Pirate's Cove just met me and began to weep. And he goes, I just have a heart for pastors. And I, I, it just blessed me that he just began to weep, knowing that we go through some crazy things. And then as our church is going, the kids, for the kid that Pastor Ryan, oh, it breaks my heart. Oh my gosh, how much do you want? <laughs> how much? <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I met humble Christians of all ages who have really blessed and given honor. I've also met the complete opposite, you know. I have. I don't agree with all pastors. I, you know I don't. 
I call them out sometimes. But I call them out, hopefully, doctrinally. They doctrinally are saying this and that and this. I don't say things like they have a big nose or an ugly face. I mean, that's just wrong. No, but if I say, yeah, this pastor is now saying broad is the path that leads to life. No, broad is not the path that leads to life. It's narrow. So, you know, I I will call, it's okay to call out pastors. If I'm doctrinally wrong, call me out. But yeah, I don't know what people's trips are. Some, it's cool. It's all good. I don't take it personal. But I do think it's an offense towards the Lord. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, Peter says, Then the Lord knows how to deliver the, the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh and the lust of unclean, uncleanness and despise authority. So let me read that again. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanliness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. not that crazy? That's how serious God is about talking smack and slandering the pastor or church leaders. Like, it's, it's here. It's, it's, it's not... It's not godly, and he handles that. God takes care of that. That's why in 1 Timothy chapter 5, 19, it says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. And that's just part of the honor that God calls the church to give to church leadership. Because church leadership deals with all kinds of drama. Now, thank goodness, I remember sitting in, in your place not having to deal with that, you know? And just looking up at the pastor and thinking, well, I wonder what, they ha- what he has to deal with. More than you know. But the Lord strengthens me. Amen. All right. So they were cool. They said goodbye on the shores. And they all accompanied us with wives and children till we were out of the city and we knelt down on the shore and prayed. When we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship and they returned home. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemaeus, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. Ptolemaeus. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was of the seven, and stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. And so from Tyre, they went to Ptolemaeus, and then from Ptolemaeus, they landed in Caesarea, which was the capital of the Roman Empire in Judea. So that was, it's a beautiful place if you get to go to Israel. And hopefully, since we're growing, we can throw it on the calendar for something and maybe go on a couple years to Israel. But Caesarea is one of the spots that we can go to. It's like crystal clear blue water it's a man-made seaport there uh there there's roman artifacts all over the place a huge roman amphitheater there's crusader forts there and stuff so it's a real beautiful place and so and i can imagine even back then how beautiful it looked but they 
went and stayed with Philip the Evangelist there in Caesarea. And Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven. Now, he was one of the seven deacons that uh, it speaks about in Acts 6. But he's not Philip the Apostle. He's not one of the twelve that was with our Lord. Amen? Because people confuse them. It's not the same Philip. It's not the Philip from the Chosen. <laughs> it's Philip the deacon. But I like how, you know, he was known as the evangelist. So he was one who evangelized. Tried to win people for Christ. He shared the Lord with people. I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily have the gift of evangelism. I believe God has given me the gift of teaching, hopefully, or you guys wouldn't be here. But some guys can preach it and will them in, like shooting fish in a barrel. And I remember being in Maine with uh, Pastor Ken Graves at his church, and he had a, a brother. What was the brother who, the evangelist? It was another Ken, yeah, from like the South. Ken from Louisiana. And he, you know, Ken and I, we, we taught at this conference, gave an invitation, maybe one or two people. Ken, the evangelist, goes up there, blah, 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 blah. Like the whole place gets saved. And that's what Ken told me. Uh, Ken Graves told me about Ken. Like, oh, he's got the gift of evangelism. He, he, he says a few words and everyone gets saved. But you know what? I think that we can at least plant seeds. If that's not you or I, we can share with everyone and anyone and everyone. Anyone and everyone you come in contact with. Do you know Jesus loves you? Do you know Jesus cares for you? You know Jesus has a plan for your life. Come to our church. I mean, just drop a seed. That we can do. But it says here that Philip was one of the seven. And one of the seven is speaking of him being one of the seven deacons that was chosen in Acts 6. You know the story, right? They were distributing food to the widows, to the poor. And it just wasn't being done right. There was favoritism being done. The Hellenist widows versus the Hebrew widows. The Hellenist widows were like Jewish with Greek influence who embraced the Greek culture. Like their widows were being neglected. And then the, the real Jewish Christians, pure kind of, you know, into Judaism, they were giving, you know, more donuts and more, more food. And the apostle says, wait a minute, you know, this, this, this can't be right. This, won't, this isn't right. Choose from among you, is what they said. Men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And what did they say? They said, choose from among you, men of good reputation. Men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Among yourselves, you choose them. You know who they are, in other words. See, there's people who feel they can appoint themselves to positions in the church, but it's God who appoints people. You just kind of look around to see what people are doing, and you know what they're about, and, oh, you know, you do this. Cool. We, we recognize, wow, that person's faithful. That person has wisdom. That person's full of the Holy Spirit. You know, it reminds us of Philip's life is that God has standards in this church, that some people don't know, but God has standards, biblically. You just, God doesn't just want anyone. 
off the street coming in and, and being your pastor. The Bible's clear about standards that he has. Not that God's looking for perfect people. None of us would be here. God, you know, look at us. We're a motley bunch. But what God does desire is that we love him. What God does desire is that people are tested first, that they are faithful in the little things, so then they're faithful in the greater. That Those are his standards. They're, they're not mine. You know how I many people have snapped over that? You guys are crazy to have standards. Well, just read the Bible. You know, I got to make sure you're born again because people can play the role. Hallelujah, yada, yada. You know, you're either born again or you're not. Are you practicing sin? Then you're probably not born again. He who is born of God does not sin. Stop. We still sin, but we don't practice sin. So we have to make sure that these standards are met. Philip, one of the seven, he reminds us of that. Likewise, deacons, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 through 13, likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested. Like God doesn't want people handing out food in the church to widows if they're not first tested. You understand? So that's why we, want, we like to take things slow at Sweet Hills. We like to take things slow. There's so much to learn about one another. We got to know if we love each other, first of all. We got to know if we can work together, first of all. You know what I mean? Not everybody can receive our ministry, my ministry. Pastor Chuck taught us pastors that. Not everyone can receive your ministry. That's why I like to take it slow. You may have heard a good sermon here, but man, I guarantee you, you probably will hear some bad ones too. Will you still stay? Will you still stay? I care more about a person loving God than I do their talent. Talent is how the world views people. Heart is what God views. Heart. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So I'm called to commit things to faithful men. Philip was faithful. Philip must have had a church in Caesarea. And they're all there. The disciples in Caesarea. Maybe as parents we can remember that God has standards when it comes to our kids' behavior. God has standards for how we behave at the table. God has standards how we speak to older folks, look them in the eye, shake their hand, open doors for women. God has standards on a lot of things. And it says here that he also, now this man also had four virgin daughters who prophesied. That is like the most incredible verse. And just boom, and he had four daughters who were virgins who prophesied. Gosh, that's so tough. That's tough. Power from young ladies who were pure. Power from young women who were pure. Power from young men who are pure. Power from a pure church. A holy church is a powerful weapon, they say, in the hand of a mighty God. Holiness. 
His daughters were given up for them. They were virgins. This world can care less about what I just said. But for us who love God, it is the most beautiful and precious gift sex is for, between a husband and a wife. It is a gift. It is a gift. It is a joyous gift. And the way the devil has distorted it, because he twists everything, right? God made a male and female. He makes a man and man. One female. One man. It's a sweet thing to, to, uh, to see purity. It's a beautiful thing. As a church, we need to promote it, encourage it. I mean, those are hard conversations to have with, with, with some of the youth. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapin, above.